Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis-based Duo Dogs has placed its trained service dogs throughout the world. These dogs are taught a wide range of skills that make them the perfect assistance for people who have trouble getting around. The organization also trains quote-unquote touch dogs that provide emotional support in hospitals, classrooms, and places of trauma. Our producer, Emily Woodbury, visited Duo Dogs on March 11th. The World Health Organization had just declared the spread of the coronavirus a global pandemic. Within days, schools would shut down, and Duo Dogs would soon close its facilities to most people. But that day, the center was still a gathering place for the organization's volunteers, staff members, and 16 dogs in training. Duo Dogs owns a 20,000-square-foot facility in St. Louis County, just east of Maryland Heights. The building has puppy playrooms that look like daycare centers and training rooms full of household items, wheelchairs, and kitchen appliances. There are outdoor play spaces as well, and everywhere you go, the walls are decorated with images of Duo Dogs graduates. Yeah. Peggy Mewson. Hi. Hi, Peggy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Oh, welcome. Welcome. Peggy Mewson is the executive director of Duo Dogs, and she starts the tour in a room that looks like a cross between a pediatrician's office and a room at a veterinary clinic. The dogs are born here. We breed, for the most part, our own dogs. So we breed Labradors and Golden Retrievers. Those are the two types of dogs we use, and they stay here for eight weeks. After that, the puppies go to live with volunteer puppy raisers for 18 months, and they work on mastering basic commands and obedience. When the 18 months are up, they go back to Duo Dogs to work on advanced training, where they learn 50 basic skills and more than 200 tasks. The task can be anything from helping the client get undressed, helping them put the laundry in the laundry basket, pulling out a credit card to give a a clerk at a store because the client doesn't have the mobility to do that. So a credit card, I mean... Taking a credit card out of a wallet seems like you need a lot of dexterity to do that. And these dogs can? They can. They can pick up something as small as the back of an earring off the floor and something as large as a prosthetic leg. Once the dogs are two years old, they're ready to begin working with their clients, who they'll live with for the next eight years. The clients are dealing with everything from mobility issues to deafness. And these dogs help them navigate their home, workplace, and the world. On the tour of the training center, spokesperson Patrick Berry points out how they use ropes to train the dogs. Thing too, like if you look at the um, the rope on the refrigerator door over there, um, that's there for a reason. So the um, dogs train on that. They use that to, to open and close the door. And those pulls are on anything a client needs. So we'll go and show you the advanced training room, but these pulls, they're like ropes, and they attach on any piece of equipment. So the dog can literally pull the laundry basket to the washer and dryer. The dogs learn how to push, so they can push open a washer. They can put the clothes in for the client. They can take the clothes out. They can put them in the dryer. They don't fold yet. We, if we learn how to train them to fold, we are going to be the wealthiest organization around. The 16 dogs that live there full time are housed in a large room, similar to a school gym. They live in pairs within spacious kennels. Peggy says the roommates are determined by staff based on how well the dogs get along with each other. It's shockingly quiet. The dogs are indeed good boys and girls. As we walk by, they simply wag their tails. No jumping, pacing, or barking. 
right in front of me we have Lambo. He is a beautiful yellow lab. Uh, over here though, you're gonna see a, a totally nice mixture and this is Apollo and Crosby. Apollo is the golden retriever and uh, the first, uh, we bred our first litter of golden retrievers uh, about five months ago. And here we have MacGyver and he is our uh, golden puppy and then Herbie. And Herbie is a dog again that we did not breed so he looks a little bit different than there's an American lab and an English lab. Yeah, he has a curled up, a tail that's uh -huh, curled upwards. Uh -huh. And his face, if you notice, his face is, is not as blocky as this one. Later that evening, there are two classes in session, a puppy class for dogs that are three to five months old and an adolescent training class where they work on more advanced skills. The students in the puppy class, three golden retrievers and three Labradors, are clearly very excited to be there. They're exhibiting big smiles and wagging tails. They're practicing how to walk on a leash, wear their service vests, and to work on basic obedience. Turn away from them. Um, you might as well start teaching it to them now. That way when they go with their clients, uh, they have them down with their legs away from their clients. That way if they're in a wheelchair or a walker, or, and they won't, their legs won't trip them up. Very nice, good job. They also practice some exercises to help the yeah. puppies build up their courage. Because one day, they'll be leading clients across things that are scary to the average dog, like a bridge or crowded space. Chrissy, the trainer, brings out a small, colorful tunnel. So um, we're teaching the dog a couple things. So this is a long, scary tunnel for them. So it teaches them to be confident enough to come through it and come for the treat, to come when called. It's a really good confidence builder because anything that's unusual for them to do, um, walking on a plank or walking, picking up their legs to walk through certain bookshelves that we lay down on the floor, walking over a grate, anything like that builds their confidence. All right, so kneel down, let her see your face. Okay, and call her. Here we go, come on, good girl, that's my girl. In the more advanced class, the slightly older dogs are practicing jumping onto a sink with their two front paws. Chest arise. That's normal. That's very normal. It's okay. That's that not the first time that's, that's ever happened. That sink might be too small for her. Come on, Shasta. Shasta, the service dog in training, misunderstood. She thought she was supposed to jump with her entire body onto the counter. She gets it on the second try. Shasta rise. That's it. Good girl. Good girl. That's a good girl. And then OFF is fine. Okay. A volunteer named Susan Kelly is there. She's working with a nine-month-old black lab named Louie, who's been living and working with her for the past seven months. Louie is the seventh dog that she's raised and trained for duo That's right. Dogs. That's right. So my job is to socialize them. So I'll take them. I take them with me to work. I take them with me to restaurants. I take them to the store. I'm an attorney. I take them with me to court. So he goes everywhere as part of his training as to be a service dog. She says she became attached to the work after seeing what the dogs could do for their clients. Uh, my first dog was a chocolate lab named Knox, and he went to the totally disabled veteran, and he used him for PTSD as well as balance and. He went from not being able to go out of the house and do day-to-day -day activities to being functioning. So he had, I think he told me he had him two days and he already changed his life. Just even going up and down the stairs and up and down hills, that kind of thing. 
Susan Kelly says that being a volunteer puppy raiser is a lot of work and that it's really hard to say goodbye when the dogs graduate. But she says that seeing the dogs improve the lives of the agency's clients makes it all worthwhile. She doesn't see herself stopping anytime soon. And that was Emily Woodbury reporting from Duo Dogs headquarters in St. Louis County. And here to discuss the organization's work is Peggy Musen. She is the executive director of Duo Dogs. Peggy, welcome. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined by Larry Cherry. He's a recipient of a Duo Dog graduate. He's also a Duo Dogs board member. Larry, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Larry, you've now had a Duo Dog for three years. What does Carrie do for you? Well, she can untie my shoes, she can pull off my socks, she helps me pull down my pants, uh, she then loads everything into the laundry basket, she picks up uh, anything that I drop on the floor, which I do regularly, my keys, my canes, my cell phone, my remote control. Uh, she's just a, a wonderful assistant to go with me everywhere. Yeah, it sounds like she does just about anything a person could need an assistant to do. I mean, are there any limits to Carrie's abilities? I haven't found them yet, except maybe if I drop some food on the floor to have her pick that up and hand it to me. <laughs> she might eat that instead. <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, you know, she's still a dog, and uh, Duo has been absolutely fabulous for me. Uh, I've become a family member there. And if I ever have any issues or questions, uh, you know, I don't hesitate. I go right back to the trainers, and they help me out, and they straighten, uh, straighten out what I need to do. Now, Peggy, I understand that in sort of a classic St. Louis uh, twist on all this, you knew Larry uh, from school way back in the day. Um, did that play any role in him getting hooked up with Carrie? Oh, definitely. Um, but no more than any other client that uh, needs some type of assistance. But yes, Larry and my husband have been friends since seventh grade. And we're out one evening and talking and, you know, he's talking about his condition deteriorating. And I suggested you might benefit from a dog. And so here we are three years later. And I know Carrie has made a huge difference in his life. And uh, Larry, she referred to your condition. Uh, what is it that, that you're dealing with? Uh, it was a spinal cord injury that happened when I was uh, basically in high school. I was a wrestler and I was a catcher, a lot of collisions, and over the years the tumors inside my spinal cord grew and finally uh, uh, made me not be able to uh, walk. Okay, and so Carrie's able to help you with all these tasks that, that have become difficult to do. Absolutely, absolutely, again with the help of Duo. So Peggy, we've heard, we heard Larry raving about Duo Dogs work here. What kind of feedback do you generally get from people who have one of these dogs placed with them? I think the general feedback is they don't know how they live their life before that. Mm -hmm. Not only with individuals with mobility and hearing disabilities who see for the first time independence that they have never felt before, but we also place dogs in hospitals for child life specialists, in courtroom settings, in child advocacy centers. And these child life specialists who deal with tra trauma of children mm -hmm again, say they don't know how they did their job without a dog to assist them. Hmm. So is it harder to train a dog to do laundry or, or to behave in court? Those seem like such different skills. Um, I think our dogs are the, the biggest quality we look for is their temperament. 
And that's why we use labs and goldens. They're, they're known to have great temperament and they love to work. And so all our dogs are trained with all those skills, but in, during the training, we'll notice certain qualities about them that would make them, if they're very active, it would make them a good match for a hearing client because mm. that dog is going to need to notify that client. If they kind of like to sit around and a little lazier in a child advocacy center where that uh, child who's being interviewed after being traumatized or abused needs the comfort of a dog just putting their head in the child's lap and the child can pet them. So they all learn the same skills, but their temperament really helps us choose which way they will go. Hmm, so you're just very intentional about how you choose um, each dog for each placement. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, a smaller dog might not be good for someone with a mobility issue. They might need a larger dog. So we really think carefully. We talk to the client and assess their needs. Uh, and then the, we look at the dogs and with the trainers and see what they feel that dog would be best at. Larry, how would you describe Carrie's personality? Oh, uh, I think she's got a little wildness in her. Uh, <laughs> as I said, uh, she is a dog, and when she comes home to my house uh, with me, uh, you wouldn't know she was a service dog. There's no way. She loves to play ball. She loves people. She loves kids especially. Mm. And uh, she's my friend. She goes where I go, with dentists, doctors, you name it, she goes with me. And Larry, I can hear in your voice, you like that, that she is such a dog at heart. You wouldn't want somebody who was, who was boring. No. As a matter of fact, my, when I told my wife that Peggy was getting me this dog, she said, I don't want some old broken down dog. And uh, Carrie's just the opposite. She came in and she ran all over the house checking everything out first. And, uh, you know, she's now not only my best friend, but part of the family. Hmm. So Peggy, Larry mentioned the idea of these old broken down dogs. And, and obviously that's not at all what's going on here. I understand these dogs, they work for about eight years and then they, they retire. What happens to a dog after it reaches 10 years old? Uh, they are retired and the client gets a successor dog. And at 10 years old, the client has the opportunity to keep the dog uh, and keep them with themselves or a member of the family. We very rarely get them back because that dog has become a, a close valued person uh, that you know people still want to enjoy. Uh, so they stay on with the family. Uh, we want them to have a life of their own. They didn't ask for this job, so we want them to have a life of their own. And, and one thing, just to echo what uh, Larry, I think, said, is we don't strip these dogs of their personalities. So they mm -hmm. all still have personalities. Uh, we think that's important, uh, that that's part of their charm, and that's part of what makes them do what they do okay. so well. And so w when they're retired, um, if, if the um, person who they're placed with wants them, they, they just stay as part of the family. A newer dog comes in to do the work then? Exactly. And, and the older dog doesn't really mind. I think they're <laughs> okay, now I get a chance to watch and they're just loved and considered a personal pet. If for some reason the family doesn't want the dog, uh, they will return him to us and we will place the dog. We have a waiting list of uh, people who would like those dogs. So mm -hmm. we also recertify the, the team once a year because we want to make sure that uh, the dog is still meeting the client's needs and that the dog is being well taken care of. So it, it's an opportunity to assess what's going on, work with them if they need additional skills, and just make sure the team is successful. 
Well, Peggy, I got to say, I mean, this is just remarkable. All you're training these dogs to do and, and all the follow-up work you're doing to make sure these placements work. Um, it just, it seems so labor intensive. And yet I understand you give these dogs away for, to people who need them for free. How how does that ever pencil out? Uh, well, we're a nonprofit, so it probably never pencils out. The <laughs> dogs are valued at about $39,000 when we give them out. And they are given away to the client free of charge. Uh, we obviously do lots of fundraising. We were very lucky to have our big gala on March 7th, the week before we the city closed down. That's some very good timing. You kind of yeah, snuck right in there. <laughs> it was excellent timing. But right now, as we're working from home, we're planning alternative uh, methods to reach people who are interested in supporting what we do and knowing the value of it. And so different ways to uh, get people interested, corporations, businesses, individuals, are all are part of the duo community. Uh, one last question for you in the final minute we have here. I know you're based here in St. Louis, but you actually serve a much bigger market. Um, have you ever thought about expanding to a second location or, or headquarters? It's interesting because I just got an email today from someone whose dog was trained just as a touch therapy dog, and those are people's own personal dogs. And she moved to Texas, and she was looking for an organization that was similar to Duo, didn't find it, and saying, what what would she need to do to start a Duo in Dallas? So hmm. that's certainly within the, the planning system, uh, but we are lucky to place dogs really all over the United States, plus we have one in Canada and in England. So uh, our name is well known across the nation. Well, in hearing the work you do, it's easy to see why. And it has been great um, just hearing about these these marvelous things these dogs can do. I really I'm looking at my dog now like he's a hopeless slacker. He, he should have met you when he was younger. He could have had some purpose to his life. So um, but it's great to hear about the work that Duo Dogs is doing. And Peggy Musen, uh, executive director of Duo Dogs, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. And Larry Cherry, thank you for sharing your perspective. Well, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. And we are funded by charitable donations, so uh, it is a write-off. So please send money to Duo. We can use it. All right. Especially during the corona times. All right. Well, check that out. Uh, Duo Dogs will link on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org for those who want to help. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.